Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 64 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I have been working with people as they heal their relationship with food for many years now, pretty much since around 2004. It's what I've been doing in my career side of things. And I've gotten to meet some amazing people from all different walks of life, any age, any gender, ethnicity, people who look night and day, you know, the people who are so different from each other. But there's always this common experience, this bond you all have that you don't even know. And I feel like that's what makes it even more powerful is you don't know that you all have one thing in common shame. Those of you who are experiencing a challenging relationship with food, I know you're experiencing the shame that comes with it. And this episode's letter writer describes her experience at diet rock bottom. She knows that diets don't work for her anymore and she doesn't want to do them anymore, but she is so scared about what may happen 
if things get to a point where her body changes or if she can't stop binge eating and she just feels so shameful about this whole process. And, you know, that, that shame is something that I feel like holds people from getting the support they need. And I look forward to discussing it today. Um, I get to chat with someone that I have been reading her books for a long time. Her name is Judith Matz, and she's someone that I feel like you will benefit from hearing her solutions and getting to know her work more. So I'm excited for you to hear that. But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to all of you who have left a rating or review um, for this podcast. Um, I feel like iTunes doesn't make it very easy for us to leave ratings and reviews. So I know when you do leave one that it wasn't a simple act. So thank you. I appreciate it. And another thing that you can do, if you are someone that feels alone in the process of healing your relationship with food and you're wanting to, I don't know, encourage other people in your family to understand what you're doing, something you can do that's really easy is share this podcast. I've talked to uh, a few people now who've said that was the way that they broached the subject and it worked out really well, just hearing it from someone else. And the way to do that is there's these little three dots you're going to see up at the top um, of your podcast app. If you just touch one of those three dots, one of the options is to share it. And it gives you a link that you can just shoot in a text or an email to someone. And that's a really great way to um, just share some of the, the, the wisdom you've been gathering as we talk to people and as other people are healing the relationship with food. So enough about all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Fu, it's been 30 years or more of a difficult relationship with you. I recall being young and my mom always saying that I never got rid of my baby fat, that eventually it would come off, but it never did. My parents were very focused on health, limiting sugar and treats. When we got them, I always wanted more. My friends and I started dieting in earnest in eighth grade and I recall one of the tipping points for me. A new boy came to our school, and I thought he was super cute, and he told my friend that he'd totally go for me if I had a better body. Well, my friends and I heard that loud and clear, and we got to work. We joined a gym, started doing aerobics a few times a week, and obsessing about food. We had so many binge sessions together, making ourselves so sick. Since since then, my life has been a constant diet binge cycle. That has escalated in the past 10 years, and in the past two years, I've hit a point where I just haven't known where to turn. The idea of going back on another diet, counting points, waking up at 5 a.m. to fit in exercise, and just knowing that I will eventually feel so deprived and not be able to maintain it and binge again and be so ashamed and disappointed in myself. I've hid my binges for my whole life. I'd be mortified if anyone actually saw it. I actually feel so disgusting and horrified and out of control. Such terrible things. And they've gotten so much worse in the past two years. So the idea of dieting again became unbearable. I knew I had to get off the roller coaster, but I didn't know how. I read a book on food addiction, tried that for a while. But but of course, that just resulted in total deprivation from my favorite trigger foods and then a month-long binge. Then I started thinking I have binge eating disorder and started thinking I maybe need therapy for that. 
But then something special and serendipitous happened just when I needed it most. A lovely man at my work sent out an email about a mindful eating seminar that he had attended, a seminar that was coming back to our workplace, and he highly recommended it. I went, and it changed everything for me. The dietitian who led the seminar talked about eating according to rules and science versus eating according to intuition and what your body truly needs. I hadn't ever considered that. As I come from a healthcare and dieting mindset, and have been so consumed by what's healthy slash fattening and what isn't. It seemed like a foreign concept, but I knew at the moment that this was going to be my journey. No more diets and the beginning of a pursuit towards food peace and body positivity. I've been loving it all and it all makes so much sense to me. One of my best friends who I've been binging with since the eighth grade is totally on board this train with me, which is so wonderful but I'm scared. I'm terrified of gaining weight. I've already gained weight and I know there will be more. I'm trying to give myself permission to eat whatever I want. I know I'm still in the diet mindset because I just feel as though I've been on a perpetual binge. I think I still feel that this food will be taken away again. So I'm gorging on it. I don't know how to let that go. I know I have to embrace my body, but that is just so hard and I feel it will take so long. And it will be even harder as I continue to get bigger. I heard in a few podcasts that one way to deal with binging is to stock up on your trigger foods one at a time and always have a lot of them in the house so you know they will truly never go away. You will never feel deprived of them again. I do feel that would help me, but I'm so scared. I know I will gorge on cookies and ice cream for a while until I maybe start to feel more at peace with them. But the weight gain that will ensue is terrifying to me. I know my husband is terrified of me getting fat. He likes my looks, and I think he worries that he might be less attracted to me or that I am on this journey of letting myself go. And I get it. I also worry about my family, who completely value thinness, and people at work, and what they will think. That I'm letting myself go, and what a shame that is. Thoughts that I've had about others before I started this journey. I realized how much I care what people think of me and my looks in particular. I never realized how much I care about that. People do not understand this journey because we've all been so brainwashed about the religion of thinness and that it is the holy and and virtuous pursuit. I've tried to tell a few people and it's just too, too much for people to comprehend. It's such a foreign concept. I think I was just so ready to hear it. I was like a sponge and soaked it all up. So this journey is isolating in that way. And I know you've talked about that. And finally, and most importantly, I want my kids to see me loving my body instead of being ashamed of it. I know that is the absolute wrong message to send them. They must know I am ashamed and internalize that. I saw something on Facebook with Kate Winslet saying she makes a point of telling her daughter how much she loves her body just the way it is. She said she never heard any level of self-body love from any woman growing up and wants her daughter to have a different experience. I desperately do too, for my son as well. I want him to feel good about his body and also don't want him to think that women have to be goddamn perfect. That isn't real and isn't what matters. I'm so stuck and so very scared. I truly know this is the right path for me, 
I desperately want diet freedom, food peace, and to love my body. I feel like I'm so afraid to dive in because I don't trust that I will come out okay on the other side. I'm scared that I will expose myself to these foods in a big way, and it will be a downward spiral of binging, fatness, and shame. Please help. I want this so badly. Signed, stuck and scared, but wanting to change. Oh, letter writer, thank you so much for your words. And you so eloquently typed out the experience of Diet Rock Bottom. Um, If anyone's ever wondered if they're there, this letter writer just described it very, very well. And from your letter, I'm gathering that, you know, you just know diets aren't going to work for you. So it's just not an option anymore. And you found this other option that your heart believes is the right choice, but your brain just hasn't wrapped its head around it yet. And also from your letter, I gather that you're not getting the support that you need. So I think it's important for us to reach out to a therapist. Uh, Judith Matz is one that I know has worked with people at Diet Rock Bottom for many years. She's the author of the Diet Survivor's Handbook, among other books. Um, It's one of the first things that I ever read about this experience. And let's give her a call because I think she'll have some really important insight for you. Judith, it's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Thanks, thanks. How are you? I am really good. I'm so glad to talk to you. I've been um, watching and admiring your work for many years, so it's great to actually talk to you live. And I'm thrilled you're going to help me with this letter. Did you get a chance to read it yet? I sure did. Awesome. There's a lot here. There is. And you know, when I read it, I I felt like, yeah, there's a lot and it seems so familiar to me because I feel like and I have. A, I wonder if you feel the same way. I feel like so many people that I talk to could relate to what this letter writer is saying. Yeah, absolutely. She did a great job of um, capturing her struggle. And, you know, I always think about it like with this work, there's one way in which everybody's, what people bring in is so much the same because the, the when people diet, the patterns are so predictable. So the stories in one way are the same, and yet everybody's journey is so unique. That's a really um, interesting way to put it, you know, just because of the diet itself being in the story, how it leads it to have some predictability, even though everyone has their own like experiences mm-hmm. and, you know, they they have their own walk of life. But yet the diet makes it very predictable, especially for people like you and me. Um, well, what do you feel like? Wh- what's your general impression about what she's experiencing? Well, the first thing that comes through right away is how much shame she feels, you know, and that's that's really um, in her being so open. The painful part of this letter is that just from being a, a young child, feeling that they you know, her parents were focused on her weight, on her health, limiting things that she's not okay. And so then, you know, and it, and we hear this so often. It's that one comment. So the boy saying, "I would, I would go for her if she had the right body," and how that kind of comment can be so triggering and lead to a lifelong feeling of shame, that there's something wrong with me that I have to fix. And of course, we're told the way to fix it is by changing, changing the body through diets. And and there we we go, you know, there we have it, start dieting, 
any diet works in the short run to lose weight. And then people break out of the restraints, gain the weight and are, are stuck in this diet binge cycle often for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, from that one comment in plus the foundation that, you know, in her like family of origin, you know, it, it's just started this whole binge restrict cycle. I mean, it's, it seems amazing, but also like we were saying, very predictable because that's what diets do for most people. Right. So what I want her to know is she's not alone. Like this shame is so familiar to me and, and to you when we, when people come to us, um, that that shame gets so internalized. And by sharing your story, that's one way to break out of the shame. So I'm so glad she felt free to share it. And I hope she'll come out of this knowing she's not alone. Um, and there's ways to, she can work her way out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I got the sense like she's at the classic diet rock bottom. Like she just knows uh-huh. she can't, she doesn't want to keep doing the same cycle. Like she sees it it's as a pattern. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if you feel like, are there any sort of first steps that you would recommend to someone like her? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to really focus on is that she's talking about how she's heard, you know, this idea of bringing in the foods that she tends to binge on and how frightening that is for her. And of course, that's a natural reaction. Of course, you'd be scared. Um, So I thought maybe it would be helpful to just talk a little bit about how to work her way through that, some of the options. Um, And for people out there, like what works for her might be a little different than for someone else. But I think the first thing, you know, she talked about she went to a mindful eating class is to make sure that she has really connected with the signal for hunger and the signal for fullness. And I often say to people, like, can you think of a time when you were hungry and you ate exactly what you were hungry for? And how did that feel? And people will say, you know, it felt it felt great. It felt good. It felt satisfying. I felt content. And versus when people are eating foods that have nothing to do with their hunger, they're not even hungry and it feels bad and and unsatisfying and all those kinds of descriptions. Um, Because I think it's very calming to see the difference. Like when I'm hungry and I get what I'm hungry for, there's a signal to stop. And just building that muscle in a sense, I think makes it safer further down the road to start considering bringing in forbidden foods. She's too frightened right now. She says in her letter, like, you know, if she brings in the food, maybe she'll end up um, going back on a diet again or taking it away. If you bring in, say, say cookies are the food you're afraid of, and you bring cookies with the idea that if you overeat them, you're going to take them away again, you will binge your way through it. So I would never suggest to somebody that they start bringing in a lot of their, quote, forbidden foods when they're feeling like maybe I'm going to take them away. Um, really the idea is that when you, you know, when you say I can't have cookies and then you have a bag and every, I'm sure everybody out there who's died is familiar with this and there's half a bag left and you say, well, starting tomorrow, I can never have them again. So I'm going to eat them all right now. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the bitch. And so if you are thinking that they're going to go away, you're going to eat your way through them. But the flip side is that if cookies are around all the time, you start to, and you have permission to eat them, you start to habituate to them. We forget about things that are always around us when they're not novel anymore. And so I was just with a client yesterday who is ending her therapy after working with me for a while. And it was pretty much in the place this woman is. Um, And she was reminding me that at the beginning, she had a thing about gummy bears and she had like half a bag left. And I said to her, okay, you need to go get more gummy bears you know, cause you can see the end. And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? But she did it. And she, she, she was saying to me now, you know, every so often she wants a gummy bear, but most of the time 
they just don't feel good in her body. Not that there's anything wrong with them. She's just noticed that she doesn't want them or need them in the same way she thought she did or used to. And so our goal is never to make people sick of the food or, or the idea is, well, once you, you know, give yourself permission to eat cookies, you're never going to want them again. It's just that you get to the point where a cookie tastes great when you're hungry for a cookie. And if you're not hungry for it, why would you eat it? That's where we're trying to help people get mm-hmm. to. Yeah, that makes sense. So if she is in a place where she has connected and identified her body's way of showing hunger and fullness... Like, I, I see why that needs to come before that, because then there's a, a level of embodiment that can connect to that kind of mm-hmm. wisdom of whether or not the gummy bear is something that's satisfying and feels okay in the body. Yeah, right. You're yeah. building you're building that structure. And I love if anybody's familiar with the work of Dan Siegel, he talks about, you know, rigidity and chaos. And to me, the diet is the rigidity and the binge is the chaos. And what we're looking for is integration or balance, which is what it, I call it attuned eating or widely known, of course, as intuitive eating. And, and so we're talking about building that structure, right, of this is what hunger feels like. When I'm hungry, I eat what I'm hungry for. And I feel satisfied. So it's safer to stop because I know when I'm hungry, I get to eat again. So I really think that that building that structure is key for this woman. The question is, can she do it on her own? And, you know, for some people, and she went to that group and had a really positive response to that seminar. And some people through reading, you know, books out there and listening to podcasts and, um, you know, are able to do it. And some people really do need more support, whether it's through a group or through a therapist or a dietitian. Um, you know, she wonders if she has binge eating disorder and that's a possibility. Um, she doesn't talk about whether there's an emotional, you know, if she's using food to manage some of the emotional stuff. Um, but sometimes there's reasons people are binging that do have to do with how they take care of themselves. I always look at that with great compassion when you're in a time of trouble and you need to reach for food to manage a feeling you're really reaching for self care. And that's not a bad thing. It's just over time wanting to learn different ways that that feel better and work better in your life. So that's something she probably should consider whether she can do this on her own or whether she needs to find somebody to to guide her on this journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she mentioned that she was about ready to reach out before she found the Mindful Eating Group. Uh So maybe now that she's dug deeper, maybe it's a really good time to sit with a therapist um, and or a dietitian and really just... To, fi- to have the support to make these next steps that she knows are before her, which, you know, I, I feel like it is like doing this work is challenging because our world doesn't really go in sync with it. <laughs> you know, our way, oh my that, gosh. You know, <laughs> our culture is just so like into the thin ideal and, and, and tying health and weight. Um, and then the good food, bad food kind of dichotomy. So doing all of that without anyone else or very few people, I think is really, it's, that's asking a lot of someone. And I don't think any, anyone like you and me would think that that's like, any, I don't think anyone should have to do it on their own. There's definitely people who are trained and ready and want to help. So mm-hmm. maybe this is just the right time. Right. I mean, of course, the issue always is whether somebody has access. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are in rural areas where there isn't a trained therapist in this or a trained dietitian. Um, and also, you know, the co- cost can be prohibitive depending on your insurance and all of those kinds of things. But sometimes there's even, you know, groups that have formed in different ways. Um, so I would really encourage her to reach out for some help in that way. And then the other thing she talks a lot about she doesn't use this word, but the weight stigma out there, you know, all the concerns about 
if I do this, if my body size change, changes, will my husband still find me attractive? What will my parents say? What will my colleagues say? And that way in which, you know, weight stigma operates in the world. Um, so many, I mean, we're all familiar with the commercials, the ads, the articles that, that say you have to be thin to be happy, healthy, and sexy. And, you know, as members of the culture, we internalize that. And so she's also dealing with her own internalized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, beliefs about weight and about body size. And I don't know about you, Julie, but I find that is actually the harder part of this work for people that like when I, when I'm working with people, with my clients, I'm not saying the eating stuff is easy. It's hard work, but that I find that it comes along quicker for people. They start to have positive experiences with food, um, which is an incentive to keep going and, and to see a light at the end of the tunnel but that the body stuff is just so, um, so painful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I feel like that's just another uh, time too where finding support can help. But it also reminds me that, you know, that's why weight discrimination hurts everyone, no matter what body size you are, is it um, in a way it affects us all in it. Um, it may not be oppressing us necessarily, those of us who are in smaller bodies, but yet it's affecting us all negatively. And that's why it's 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 health supporting and just um, a social justice issue that I think is really important for us to work to amend for sure. So thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the way you phrase that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we have something on our show, Judith, called the Food Peace Syllabus, and that is a source of kind of like a collaboration of books and podcasts and blog posts or anything under the sun that we have found that help support people in their journey to food peace and body positivity. Did you want to add anything to it? Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, I know she mentioned that that intuitive eating, the book was recommended to her, but that's certainly a starting point for people. Um, along with, I have the book, The Diet Survivor's Handbook, which gives 60 lessons and again, addresses this idea of, of shame that people feel. So those are kind of just the two basics. Um, I also wanted to suggest there's a newer book out called 52 Ways to Love Your Body by Kimber Simpkins. And what I like about it, I keep it out in my waiting room. So when clients are waiting to see me, I often find that they've picked it up. What I like is there are just these really short chapters. So you can um, you could keep it on your nightstand. And when you're starting to feel some of that body shame or need a little boost, you can just turn to one of the chapters and um, Kimber writes in a very loving and compassionate voice. And really relates to her own journey of how she saw her way through this. So I think that's a nice way to support yourself. The last um, last thing I want to mention, we didn't talk about it in her letter, but she's concerned about what she'll pass down to her children. And I love that she has that, that she's able to self-reflect on that, that certain messages were passed to her that she doesn't want to pass down to her kids. Um, and a couple of years ago, well, not quite a couple of years ago, but I, I wrote a, a post for a website called The Body is Not an Apology. Um, body's not an apology. And the name of the the blog is nine common mistakes parents make about their kids weight. And so I want to offer that to her as something to really help her look at how what she's passing down to her kids, it gives positive, it looks at the mistakes parents make, but then it also gives the alternative and ways to hand down positive messages. And I've also found that some of my some not just my adult clients, but people have written to me saying they found it really helpful that it validated that what they experienced as kids wasn't 
in a sense, fair, um, that they were getting these messages and that that led them into that diet binge cycle. And so it was validating in a certain way to read it. And some of them actually then ended up having really positive conversations with their parents about about it. So that might be another um, resource for her or for anybody listening. Right. Well, in that last one, it, not only would it help then her relationship with her children, but maybe even with her her family, like you said, like her parents. Yeah. Maybe it can even yeah. um, bring about a conversation um, and just, you know, heal that side of things. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Judith. I really appreciate your insight and these additions to our syllabus. Um, you know, I've really, like I said before, I really have been um, benefiting from the the books and the articles that you've been writing. So I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time today. And I wonder if there's a way someone could find you if they want to just get some more information or maybe possibly work with you. Is there a good way to do that? I think the best way is to go to my website, which is judithmats.com. Um, I'm in the process of updating it. So you may want to check in eventually. There'll be some more videos up there to watch, um, but that's the best place to find me. Awesome. And I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes so people can easily just click that right now. And then if there's and then any other kind of social media stuff and, and articles like we discussed for the syllabus that also will be on there. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julie. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Letter writer, I hope that the discussion I had with Judith provided you with some next steps, some things that maybe you'd be willing to experiment with to see if they help as you make these transitions that sound very important and vital for your own recovery and your family's relationship with food and their body. And, you know, one of the things that Judith and I spoke about was finding support. And in the show notes, what you can find by um, clicking on the picture right now when you're listening to the podcast, just click on that little picture on the top there and you'll see all the show notes. And um, and one of the key points, you'll see there a link to finding an eating disorder dietitian. And by connecting with one of those, either in your area or someone who does um, virtual type of work, I'm hoping that you will find some ways to make steps forward because the work you're doing is so important, yet it's really challenging. No one is expecting you to figure it all out on your own. So hang in there. Let us know how it goes. Keep us posted, please. I see food has written you back, so take care. Dear, stuck, and scared, but wanting change. We admire your courage to heal and make things better for your children. You're such a great mother. As you overturn each rock of possibility, know you're not alone. Many are walking the same path and feel the shame too. Others have been there before and can support you, especially when you tire. We hope you take the support you need and know it will bring you clarity and peace for you and your family. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your Dear Food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. 
this type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.